So you all know Vince as the deacon of the church. And the only reason I, I think, and I think Eddie would agree with me, that he is not yet an elder uh, is because he is 23 years old. Uh, our network, specifically the Acts 29 network, doesn't allow you to become a pastor until you're 25, so we've said that seems good to us. However, this brother is qualified according to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus 2 to be an elder. And most of you don't know this, but guess who's the first one here every week? Guess who's the last one to leave every week? Guess who serves relentlessly setting up, tearing down, week by week, contacting you, doing counseling? Like, this dude just pours out continuously. And if there's anyone who I want to say to you, follow someone's lead in the church, follow this guy. Okay, so not only does Vince have the, the character qualities, but man, this dude is a servant, and we want the church, whether the pastors or the deacon, and, and you know that word means servant, deacon means servant, and he lives up to his office well. And he has earned the privilege to speak to you, uh, not only because of his character, but because of his actions. I mean, this dude uh, is killing it. And so we want to say to every man and woman, follow Vince's lead, okay? Continually outpouring. You know, we, we asked the guy to go to Africa for a month and train a pastor, and he's not even a pastor, and he takes a month off his work that he doesn't get paid, he goes on almost his dime. The church like bought his plane ticket and bought some resources. And he's like, I'll go, I'll do it. I'm just in. I mean, who's doing that? <laughs> Vince is, okay. So he has earned the right to speak to us tonight. Would you guys agree? Amen. Yeah, so let's listen with ears ready to hear. And, and he's preaching from Proverbs 30 tonight. And he has listened to and read Proverbs 30 300 times. Would that be fair? 250? Is that exaggerating or no? It's pretty close yeah. to that. 250 to 300 times going through the passage, he's going to preach to you tonight. So he knows it well. I don't think he needs his notes, but they're like a crutch. And if he needs the crutch, <laughs> so be it. So I'm going to pray for him, and then we're going to give our ear and attention to, to our brother Vince. Father, thank you for this gift of your word. What a privilege. What a privilege that we have your will laid out for us clearly. Father, I do pray that you would speak to us tonight through your word. Pray for Vince as he is speaking. Would you give him clarity of thought? Bring to mind all that he remembered, all that you have put in his heart to say. Would it come to mind? And would we be blessed? Would we be helped? Father, would we be ones who uh, take your word and are transformed by the renewing of our mind? We know this only comes by your Holy Spirit's power. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, would you move on us tonight to do transformative work that we be, might be more in the image of Jesus because of tonight? Give Vince the words to say. And we pray now for us as we listen and for Vince as he speaks. Holy Spirit, come and be present in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Uh, first, uh, thank you for saying those things. That's very encouraging to me. Um, but I certainly don't want uh, to let that praise sit on me too long, lest it crush me. <laughs> because um, those who know me well know how absolutely necessary the grace of God is for anything resembling righteousness to come out of me. Um, and so I certainly don't want anyone to get the illusion that I am anything great of my own strength, because that's just not true. Um, if you would pray with me one more time um, as we ask for help and understanding as we go into the Word. 
Father, thank you for your word that you have um, sovereignly um, inspired men to write um, by your spirit, Father. Thank you that you have preserved it for us. Um, thank you for the church that you have given as a, a gift for us here um, on earth to um, see you through the fallenness and through our sin. I pray that as we continue in the book of Proverbs that you would um, give us the grace to understand and the strength to be diligent in learning wisdom and how that applies to our lives to give you the glory. I pray that um, you would not let any of my own words um, leave my mouth that... um, that, that, that uh, you would not, um, that you had not put there, Father, that you would allow what is being said to be um, of you and um, not my own thoughts and that you would prepare um, the hearts to understand and that the words would come across clearly. In your name I pray, amen. So we are continuing in the wisdom Wisdom, the Gift of God series. Um, This has been a pretty long series, and it could truthfully be an extremely long series. Proverbs is a deep well that you can keep coming back to time and time again. Um, And so as Chris, I'm losing my name tag, as Chris um, alluded to already, we are going to be in Proverbs 30. This is verses 1 through 17. Um, We're just going to read through it once together, so that's why it's up on the screen in little letters um, to read through with me, and then we'll break it down and um, hear what it has to say to us. Before we read, let me just give a um, a little bit of an intro to Proverbs 30. It's different than the rest of Proverbs. Um, certainly the middle portion of Proverbs um, for the most obvious reason it has a different author. Um, Solomon is not the author of this proverb. It's a man named Agur who we'll talk about a little bit later. And instead of it being a um, collection of wisdom um, almost in list form, this is a continuous Um, presentation or oration. And so you can go through it in a more of a linear way rather than um, taking a theme out of the rest of Proverbs and finding the verses that apply to it. Um, So let's read through it. Um, We're going to be starting in verse 1 and going all the way to 17. Uh, You can follow along in your Bible or up here on the screen. The words of Agur, son of Jacob, the oracle... The man declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended into heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. 
Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you, and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Do not slander a servant to his master, lest he curse you and you be held guilty. There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. There are those, how lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. The leech has two daughters, give and give. Three things are never satisfied, four never say enough. Sheol, the barren womb, the land never satisfied with water, and the fire that never says enough. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. What a happy note to end on. And so um, let's start by going into verse one and just sort of going through um, his uh, presentation um, and um, pulling out what um, the meaning is. So let's start and talk about Agur. We don't know much about Agur. In fact, the only time he's mentioned in the Bible is right here um, in Proverbs 30. And so any history that might give us a hint as to his context or background is um, not found. We just have a little autobiographical um, piece here where he says, I'm weary, O God, I'm weary, O God, and worn out. Um, surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. And so um, what he's saying there is um, twofold. One, it's a general statement that all of us can agree to um, when compared to the wisdom of God, which is, which is what he's about to do in a minute here. Um, but I believe, and smarter people than me agree, that um, and this is also literal. Um, the King James, instead of using the word stupid, would use the word brutish. He says, I'm more brutish than any man. I believe that he's talking about his actual, um, his actual character. He's more brawn than brains. He's not naturally an intellectual guy. Um, you know, he's a brutish fellow. Oh, name tag's gone. I'm just gonna sit it there. Um, so it like, it, um, it, it, it g- g- gives me this like picture as like if you would imagine the little toy that babies would play with where there's shapes cut out of a board and then have to find the right shape and put it through a board. A normal <laughs> baby would grab it, perhaps the star and try to put it through the circle and realize this isn't going to work and would move it until he found the right one. A brutish baby or a baby like Agar may have been would just sit there and beat the star into the circle and try to work it through. Um, that's the kind of picture that Agar has is he is a, a stupid man. That's what he says. And so that's important for a couple of reasons. 
Um, it's important because um, as the other author, um, and we're gonna, as the other author of Proverbs is Solomon, and we know Solomon's story is he is a king who was asked by the Lord, what would you like to have? Um, and he was given no limits on asking. And so he asked for wisdom and it was bestowed upon him. And it was sort of supernaturally given to him. And so while that's amazing, it's not necessarily relatable. Uh, we don't have wisdom zapped into our heads in a, in a natural way. Um, James does say that we can ask the Lord for wisdom and it will be given to us. Um, but that's a different sort of context. What happened to Solomon was a special thing. It was given to him supernaturally in wisdom and it's recorded. Um, Agur is more relatable to us. He's a man who, um, like Proverbs um, 1, says he became acquainted with wisdom. Proverbs 1 um, speaks of wisdom as a woman that, um, that um, is profitable to know and to be acquainted with. And it gives us this picture of practicing wisdom. Um, something that like an athlete has to train at. Um, Agur is our example. He's saying, if I'm more stupid than any man and I have learned wisdom and I have looked into the word of God and gained this, then it's our example to go forward and to be um, like him. And so after this, he asks a couple of questions. And it starts here in verse four. It says, who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has wrapped the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. And so um, contrasting his um, autobiographical sketch of him being unlearned, uh, of a person, he asks these difficult and deep questions. And so um, there, are, there are two sides of this. The first that we'll go over shortly because we're going to hit it a little bit later is um, this is, as Agur was writing, he did not realize fully what he was saying. And that's the beauty of scripture as though it was penned by men and by humans, it was inspired supernaturally. And so um, oftentimes, and this is true throughout the Bible, um, the authors will write and not even know the full extension of what's being said. And so um, these, these questions of this, he's describing this person. He's asking, who has ascended into heaven and come down and gathered the wind in his fist and wrapped up the waters in a garment? Um, and he asks, what is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. And so to us, with the benefit of um, having the whole Bible in front of us, it's easy to see who he's talking. He's talking about God, the creator, and um, Jesus being his son. And, um, but but the, the more contextual, like what he's saying in his context, is he is expanding the idea of knowledge. And so what we learn about Agur is he is a person who likes to um, look at nature and observe. We aren't going to get there 
um, in this passage, but he, um, let me just read a little sneak peek for you. He says things like, the ants are not a strong people, yet they provide their food in the summer. The rock badgers are not, a might, are not mighty, but yet they make their homes in the cliffs. This is someone who he likes to observe nature and, um, and understand it. You could say he's like a scientist. But a scientist, as smart as they can be and as smart as we can understand nature, these things go deeper. When he talks about gathering wind in his fist, the most impressive meteorologist who can read weather patterns and the wind as it blows and he can predict these things. He can be great at his job, but you're never going to say of this person that he's able to grab the wind in his fist. And so what he's saying is he's pulling, he's pulling back what we can observe, and he's saying there's deeper questions. He's asking something deeper about um, what is observable, that we can't know these, these, these deep answers without some other method. And so, um, and so he moves on and he says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. And so he is um, actually quoting here. Um, he's quoting from Psalms when he says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And he's quoting from Deuteronomy when he talks about not adding to his words or um, you'd be rebuked and found a liar. And so what's happening here is he's, he's, he's making his audience and us aware of these realities that we can't um, just observe, and he's, he's, he's letting us know that there are, um, that, 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 that there are questions that are groaning to be answered that we need another source, and he immediately puts up the word of God. And this is something that Agur um, loves and speaks highly of, and he's quoting. And again, um, this is talking about Jesus. This isn't just, um, you know, words. We know in John that, um, that the, 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 the book of John tells us that Jesus is um, the word of God. Let me turn to John and we can read that. And it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so um, I think it would be, would be foolish of us to read this and not see Jesus in the words. Um, even in this phrase, he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Um, I believe it was Tim Keller who used this analogy, and he said, when he talks about the word of God being a shield, what is the purpose of a shield, right? If you were a soldier back in the days with swords and shields, the shield, you would throw it up in front of you, and it would receive the blow that was intended to crush you. And what was Jesus 
to us is he was, um, he was on the cross and he died so that he would receive the blow that was the wrath of God to crush us. And so I'm laboring this point because I think it's important to read um, the context into it and to say that um, the word of God that he is pointing out as the answer to questions is knowing Jesus and knowing um, him in, as a relationship. He's not pointing to um, a school of philosophy. He's not pointing to a technology or a science. He's pointing to a relationship with the word of God. He's, re- he's pointing to, um, and he's, he's, re- point, he's pointing to an understanding of Jesus. And I think it's appropriate to say that. And so now we're going to get to this, um, where I want to spend most of our time um, tonight is this prayer that Agur prays. Um, It is a beautiful prayer that that I have uh, been praying for for myself and and really has been a treasure to sort of meditate on. Um, As Chris said, I spent time um, just because as I first opened this passage, to me, maybe I'm more like Agur, it was hard for me to understand what was being said in, these, in, in, in this whole chapter of Proverbs 30. And that's why it took me so many times listening to it. I really did listen to it through my ears and read it um, you know, hundreds of times. And it was because um, I... I needed that. My understanding needed it. And, but what came out of it was really a joy to meditate on specifically this prayer here, um, to spend time um, soaking it in. And he, here's what he's saying. Um, let's just read it and then we'll break it up. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. And so um, he is asking, two things I ask of you, he's asking almost like, um, if, if I can ask a gift from you, from you, and he's, he's praying to God, if I could ask for a gift from you, it would be these things. And if I could sum it up, he would be asking, allow me to do Proverbs well. Allow it to be applied to me. Why do I say that? Because the summary of Proverbs would be essentially, if you were to boil it all down, I know that's hard to do because it's big, like we, we already said, but if you were to boil it down, it is, the, it is the wisdom to handle relationships and things well for the glory of God. That's... And that's what he's praying here. And so let's go through, we'll go in verse eight. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. And so this is um, on the side of relationships. Um, he's, he's sort of using similar words, falsehood and lying. Those are synonyms of each other. But think of it like um, the same spotlight pointing in different places. So um, where he uses the word falsehood, he's talking about the spotlight of honesty pointed inwardly. 
He's talking about um, what we might call looking at yourself sober-mindedly, not deceiving yourself as to um, um, thinking that you're greater than you are, thinking that you have the, sh- the strength to um, pull yourself up by your bootstraps or even to answer these types of questions that he alludes to to say that I can find the answers. Um, you might, it's in popular culture and Disney movies to look into yourself and to see some greatness. Um, he's saying, give me the ability to look into myself and not be deceived because we know that our hearts are deceitful. And so that's what he's asking is, is allow me to be honest with myself. And now imagine the spotlight pointed outwardly and keep lying. And that's where he's asking um, the outflow of the honesty that's inside to be poured out on the people around and that he would have honest um, relationships and not lie. Um, and, and, you know, this goes with Proverbs. Proverbs gives you um, w- w- wisdom on almost every possible relationship a human can have between um, husband and wife and, and father and child and um, workplace um, r- r- relationships. All of that can be found, and that's what he's praying for. He's, he's saying to remove falsehood and lying and allow me to um, exist honestly, with, in- excuse me, with integrity and sincerely, um, And then he moves on. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Um, And this is really um, where I spend a lot of time thinking, and I find this to be a beautiful passage. And and, uh, he, he gives this request of what he would want, give me neither poverty nor riches and feed me with the food that is needful for me. And then we're gonna jump down to verse nine and look here for a second. Here's his explanations as to why. So he doesn't just say this and leave us hanging. He tells us why. And let's go down to actually to the bottom first because I think this is easy for, easier for us to naturally agree with. Um, or easier for me to naturally agree with. He says, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. And so my spirit or, um, is, is, says a hearty amen to that. Um, I, I have prayed that for myself and my family, and I'm sure... Um, if not all of you have prayed this for yourself or someone you love to keep poverty from me so that I don't steal and profane the name of the Lord. An example would be one time I was in New York and I was um, um, with a group of people who was uh, speaking in a, a jail and we met a guy who he was serving a sentence there and um, he had gotten caught for stealing a jacket for his child because this child was cold. And so I, I heard that in that moment. I imagine you're hearing it now and your heart breaks in a way because you can imagine being in that situation. That's what Ager's talking about here, being in the level of poverty where there's no option to put food on your table, to put a warm coat on your child's back, and it seems like there's no option but to take it. 
and to take it dishonestly. And um, he's saying, don't put me there because it's a strain. It, it would be a strain for me and actually I might not even be able to withhold myself from taking to feed my family or even myself or, or those kind of things. And so when we hear that, we agree and we pray, yes, don't put me in a situation where I'm so poor that to even survive, I have to steal because I don't want to steal. I don't want to profane your name. That's what he's saying. And we can say, amen, Agar, me too. Um, but now let's talk about the other side because he, um, he, he talks about both of, both of these avenues can be um, a temptation to turn your back on the Lord and on the answers to these questions in life and, and, and to the source of wisdom. And so he talks about this idea of um, give me neither riches lest I be full and deny you. And so um, this is a this is um, a thread that we can see running through the history of the Bible and the history of mankind. And even, you might even be able to see it if you look into the history of your own heart on earth. And so the idea is um, to be in a place where you are so um, full or self-sufficient, if you will, and you have achieved enough on your own where the temptation is easy to say, I've done it. I have built for myself security, happiness, um, um, even immortality. Some have said in the past where kings have built a nation and conquered and they've claimed themselves to be gods. You see, that's, it's something small that can be just as simple as, you know, greed and taking money that doesn't belong to you, but it grows and it's this thread in the human heart that um, goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel where um, early um, men were impressed with themselves and their technology of the brick and they said, we're gonna sit here and we're gonna literally build a tower to heaven to show God that we got it, that we're powerful enough to make this monument. And, and we know the Tower of Babel, God confused their language and scattered them out. But it's the same idea that there is, that there is some, um, that, that riches or that your accumulation of wealth will almost lull you to sleep and allow you to think that, that you can make it on your own. And so it's important to say, and I don't want it to, to come across, that, that um, there is like, um, you know, somebody with X amount of dollars is evil because they have that. This isn't a monetary thing. It is a it is an internal spiritual thing. And so I don't ever want to say, you know, because you're rich, you're unrighteous, but because you are, um, but, it, but it's because you are looking to that to answer your questions. Um, that is what is going to lead you in a 
terrible path of destruction. And we're actually going to turn to Mark, the book of Mark, and we're going to see this played out in, um, in the story of the rich young man who spoke with Jesus. And we'll read through this. And he was um, setting out on his journey. This is Jesus. And a man came up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so here we have a man who is deeply troubled with a big question. Sort of like Agur gave us this pattern of there's big questions and here's how to answer it. And here's this man who he has a big question. He wants to know after I die here, how do I live on forever? And, and so he's so distressed by it that he, you know, it's a picture of him throwing himself on his knees before Jesus. And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? None is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud honor your, mother, your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. <laughs> and so um, what he's showing here is, a, is an ignorance to what the magnitude of the law is. If you know the teachings of Jesus, he, he, he on the, um, on, in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he took the law and he, ex- he made it deeper and he brought it down to the heart level. But here this man is, um, this man is, he, um, he says, yeah, I've kept the law. He, he sort of, he sees it as a checklist and not a look at the heart. Um, but here's the interesting thing that Jesus says. He, um, I'm sorry, I lost my place. And he said to him, I've done these for my youth. And Jesus says, and Jesus looking at him loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And so what Jesus is saying there is, is, is the, the answer to this big question. And we can say the answer to all of the big questions, the questions of how we got here, what is right and wrong, um, where we're going when we die, these big questions, how to have eternal life, Jesus is saying the, the most valuable resource in answering these is in following me. And that's what he says to the man. He says, okay, you've kept the, the, the law. The law should be pointing you to me. And so if you've really kept it, here's the answer. Forsake everything else and follow me. And here's what it says. And this is probably one of the more tragic verses in the Bible. Follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And so that's what Agar's talking about. He's talking about this level of of riches, which isn't a set monetary amount, but it's to the point where you can see what you've accumulated and you see salvation in it. You see answers, you see security. And then when Jesus 
um, is presented as the answer, you weigh the two and you say, I need this. And that's what the man did. And that's what Agar's asking to not ever happen to him. He's saying, feed me with the food needful for me. Give me only what you know I need to give glory to you. You know what that'll be to, to that level where I can, where I'll be trusting in myself and he never wants that because he knows that the source of wisdom is knowing the one who has ascended into heaven and come down, the one he's describing, that's the source of wisdom. That's the source of what he is um, talking to us about in this passage. And so we're gonna move on, moving um, through, starting at verse 11. And so now he is, um, now he's, talking about um, the, this group, the, 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 this grouping of people. And it's repeated by this phrase, there are those. You could also, in some translations, he says, there is a generation that. And so it says, there are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. And you could say, there's a generation who does not curse their fathers and not bless their mothers who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. There are those how lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. And what he's, he's contrasting is he's, he's saying that um, the answer to life's biggest questions is the word of God that we know to be Jesus. We know to be Jesus um, who came and who died and him crucified for us. That gives us the answer to the biggest question that can give us peace and all other insecurity. And so he's contrasting that with this generation or this group of people or the world without that knowledge. And so he's saying, without the wisdom of God, without the word of God, this is what happens. And he talks about um, those who curse their fathers and don't bless their mothers. It's a, it's, it's a breakdown of the, um, the uh, social order. And um, give me one second, excuse, sorry. Yeah, and so this is the generation that doesn't pr practice wisdom. And what he's describing here is the worst parts of culture, not just now, but throughout history. The, the sin, the sin that is within human beings and that is, and that is um, from, the be, from the beginning when Adam and Eve first unleashed sin in the world and now it's in the hearts of man, that unchecked is going to look for answers and it's going to come up 
with these things. It's going to come up with um, cursing fathers and not blessing mothers, which in that culture represents, like in the culture of when this was written, that represents the absolute breakdown of, sh- of just n- normal um, etiquette. You see, and in that culture, even if you were, um, you know, a terrible person, you didn't dishonor your, your parents. And so the people who did are totally upside down. And that's what he's saying. Totally upside down um, social order. Who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. And so it's, 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 it's not hard to read this and see this in our culture, to see how this takes place in politics and in um, the way people interact socially and in, um, and in, and in entertainment and um, even within families to see these things happening. Um, how clean, or who are clean in their own eyes but are not washed of their filth. Um, you know, these, these things are what happens when we are not looking for wisdom in the proper place. And so now he goes into his imagery. And so Agur, we don't get to see a lot of it in this first half, but Agur um, has this, this um, vivid imagery that he uses. And, um, and it's... And it's entertaining to read, and it is, um, and it is um, interesting to sit and think through. It's very viv- 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 vivid, um, and 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 um, it can be confusing. Again, is why I had to listen to this many times. And he says the leech has two daughters, give and give. Three things are never satisfied. Four never say enough. Sheol, the barren womb, the land never satisfied with water, and the fire that never says enough. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. And so the, this image of a leech, um, he's talking about the horse leech here. And if you've ever seen a leech, it, um, it's a nasty little creature. If you've ever had one on you, um, it's like this slug and it will grab on on two points and it will just fill up with blood. And the leech doesn't stop until it's entirely full and it can't take in any more and then it drops off. And so... Um, He's talking about this, this search for answers, this search for meaning, and this search for salvation without um, the word of God as your point of reference, as your everything, as the one that you would say, keep any possession from me that would keep me from it, from Jesus, from the answer, um, to to try to seek your answers without that, it's like this. It's, it, it is like this, this um, 
creature that's satisfied only by taking. And he goes even further, and he, he, taught, he, he goes even further with this analogy of greed. And he says, three things are never satisfied. Four never say enough. Sheol, the barren womb, the land never satisfied with water, and the fire that never says enough. And so the point is, it's emptiness. The wisdom of the world outside of Christ yields only emptiness. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it, um, it, it will um, consume whatever we throw into it. Just like um, this, so this image it gives of um, Sheol, which is the grave or the place that the dead go, and the barren womb. He, he gives these lists um, that are throughout Proverbs 30, and this is the first one, where he says three and then four. Um, and so these are categorized into sort of a um, you know, four quadrants, if you will, if you can picture that. And so the first two things he talks about are in the human experience, the grave and the barren womb. And then the second two are in the natural world, the earth and fire. And so the, the, the grave, which is always groaning to take human life, it's always... Um, Every person who has ever lived and every will, ever will will meet the grave, and it will never be full. And the barren womb is the opposite of that. He's saying this side and this side, groaning to take life and constantly groaning to produce life. It, um, it is the, 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 the total stretch of human experience, and it's this idea of emptiness. And the same with um, the natural world. The land that is never satisfied with water, he's talking about a desert environment that you could dump a fire truck of water onto the ground and it would be soaked up and it would um, always be taking more. And then the fire that never says enough. And that is the picture of, you know, like a forest fire that is just... crushing through the countryside and every consumable thing in its path will be eaten up and devoured. And that is, um, that is the emptiness. That is the, 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 the unfillable, um, the unfillable void that we will throw all of our effort in without Jesus. You see, you can spend your whole life trying to, um, trying to answer these questions of, of, uh, of great importance, these questions that nobody but the creator of the earth will have answers to, and it will yield to nothing but emptiness. There's no reward at the end. Um, and it is like the fire that never says enough. It'll just always consume and leave nothing to you. And so, um, and so the what he's and so the beauty of it is um, that he's pointing to the gospel through this 
passage, he's, he's saying that the word of God is true and it is pure and it is um, the answer to the deepest questions that are in the human heart, that are planted there, um, that we are seeking answers. And if you're not looking for the answers in the word of God and in Jesus and in the gospel, all that's left is emptiness. And, and so that is um, the first half of um, Proverbs 30. Um, I, I hope that it was um, as beautiful to you as it was to me reading through it. I hope the words were clear. Um, and now we um, will celebrate Jesus, and we will celebrate the cross, and we will celebrate um, his sacrifice for our sin on the cross with communion.